0: Welcome to Rebels with a Purpose, powered by the voices of Catapult X, who are mobilizing capital, technology, people, and heart to solve the world's biggest challenges. In this podcast, we pose five questions to leaders who are changing the world and its systems. I'm your host, Kate Byrne, CEO of Catapult X. Finance, innovation, and patient capital investment. What? Does this exist? Well, Rebel with a Purpose, Ella Maday, co-founder of 50 Years VC, has taken her own experience as a successful female tech founder and put it to work so that others like her can get a jumpstart when they need it most. Ella Madej, welcome to Rebels with Purpose. How are you doing?
1: Hi, I'm good. I'm actually only now realizing I'm wearing a really great church for this one so yeah i'm great thank you that's perfect and it's counterbalanced with the lovely Quan yin statue behind
0: your shoulder you've got it all yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the ying yin and the yang <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining. And I can't think of a better person than you who in so many ways really has been a rebel with with many purposes. But mm. before we do a deep delve into some of that and some of the work that you're doing at 50BC, what I'd love to do is hear a little bit about your path and how you came to where you are. I think so often people believe that highly accomplished people, they knew it, they saw it, they went for it. And it was all a very easy breezy vertical mm-hmm. experience. And so often we discover, hmm, maybe not. What was yours like?
1: my I'm originally Polish. I was born and raised in, in Krakow um, in this beautiful city in Poland that I still, you know, love and go back to every year. And I always thought I actually would s- just stay there. And, and um, I didn't even see myself on this part of the globe and just really even leaving Poland for much longer. I um, was going to study physics and then uh, and I was competing in, in physics um, uh, sort of contest and Olympiads uh, when I was in high school. And at some point I read, I think maybe I was like 16 or 17, I read the Oppenheimer's memoir and, and he, essentially, uh, you know, was talking about the creation of the atomic bomb. And I remember the, the rebel, exactly, the, the teenage in me was like, no, the, the scientists can, are only tools in the hands of politicians. And my aspiration was to be high energy physicist, particle physicists. Essentially, those people created like the, the biggest atrocity that the humanity has seen. And then I, I decided to like switch my focus and last minute change to study uh, political science because I thought, you know, politics is the way to really have positive impact in the world and i quickly realized i'm not cut to be in that world and i think i was a little bored uh, going to school um i mean in college because everything was a matter of opinion everything was a matter of debate but but the good thing that came out of it was that i helped my friends essentially start a company a software company um that we started talking about i think when i was my first year of college and then uh, we we incorporated it and I was became the CEO of that company when I was 21 and and that wow. grew to be the largest Ruby on Rails development firm in Europe for some time and then we did um, iOS development and, and, um, Android development. And essentially we're part of this very fertile ecosystem and, and a big growing market of just, you know, everybody building apps and everybody building startups. And, you know, that was like, you know, we, the company was started in 2006 and it was just a per- perfect time. We had so much fun doing it. We were working with companies from Europe and then the United States and running big events for software developers. And I just, you know, loved everything about it, the creativity that was there and the sort of that the, the positive view of the future. Like we can like, if we can think it, we can build it. And and we were building internal tools as well. And at some point we connected with with our later co-founder in another company called Bayes, um, Enterprise Software Company, SCRM. So we built our own product and that company did did really well. Was acquired by Zendesk, so that was like the one of the big Polish startup success stories. That like we you know we got acquired, and and that was also like a nice nice acquisition as well. I went through Y Combinator in the summer of two thousand twelve, and that's how I met Seth, my life partner, and my partner at fifty years, and, and my co-founder. My Y Combinator company was not a success. Actually, this was like the first time when I got a reality check that I'm not invincible, and I it was. I, I had a lot of, like, shame um, that I, I had to, like, work past associated with that because it was, like, a pretty public failure. We were the first company from uh, Eastern Europe to get into Y Combinator, and I was like, yes, we're going to do this, and I, I I just essentially burnt out in the process. There were other considerations as well, which are a little bit more subtle, but long story short, it, it, it was, like, it wasn't really hard landing for me and i you know burnt out and i then decided to to sort of sell the original software business we we started with which gave me personal freedom to travel and to to be able to like reconsider what i wanted to do in life i ended up in new york i actually studied contemporary dance for the summer and just to sort of get out of my head and get back into my body and that was amazing and then i was sort of talking to all the companies in new york city to see where where I i Consider joining Trello and a few other enterprise software um, uh, companies. And then at some point, I just, it was, you know, it would be the first time in my adult life when I would be getting a job and not running my own company. And I think I see myself as a prototypical founder. I love working for myself. I love creating my own circumstance. So yeah, in the meantime, a Polish venture firm reached out to me and they were backing European and still are backing European um, B2B SaaS companies the fund name is Innovation Nest. And they asked me, hey, like, why don't you join us as a partner, you would live in the United States and and be there if this is where you want to be. And you, you can help companies from Europe, raise, you know, serious A's and serious B's from uh, investors in the US. So I did that. And after a year, I realized that I really enjoyed working with founders. I sort of, I've walked the walk myself. I've, I've, I've been through the, the highs and lows and I, I have deep empathy to that experience. And, but I, but I also realize that I'm not intellectually or creatively excited about, you know, marketing automation or ad management platforms and things that, you know, they're like business as usual, the sort of the way I see some of those are even necessary businesses and somebody will build them. But I, I just don't think there's still such a hard journey and for the founders who would be often struggling because they're sacrificing a lot of their sort of personal life to build this company. And, you know, the end is never clear and the outcome is never guaranteed. And, you know, obviously they're building it to build a massive company. That's why they pursue venture funding. And, and I now just often see those people struggle and they would come to me. I think people often come to me when they struggle and they, you know i was very conflicted on the type of advice i would want to give them as people because if you're building you know ad management software i i don't know if it's worth you know you like messing up your marriage if that's something you also care about yeah. because i i just i just don't think that's a trade-off worth making in my sort of life calculus and i think people have different perspectives here but i just felt quite conflicted as a partner in some situations, because I believe there are problems that are worth pushing and sacrificing. And I think actually to great achievements requires great sacrifice. Mm-hmm. But I don't think great achievement is just making money. I, I mean, I, not sort of in my understanding of reality. So, yeah, very quickly, uh, Seth is always on this impact track in, in in his life and we started chatting about like what if one day you know 10 years from now we start our own firm and we'll only back founders who are using technology to solve the biggest problems in the world and like the most ambitious problems and they're all so hard but like we will know that like every day when those people are would they come to us and they say like i don't know if they have the energy to keep going like Help me, and we can tell them like, yes, we'll help you. But also, like, remember, this is so so important. And remember where you started, and you should be doing this. And this vision, essentially, that was supposed to happen ten years from from then. I think within three months, we emptied our bank accounts, and we started fifty years. That was before some of the um, later sort of liquidity events. Personally, that I had. So it was really it was a really scary moment. We moved from New York City. Back to um uh, the Bay Area to San Francisco lived in the house with fourteen other people, some y c founders and it was a great time, but it was also a function of the fact that like we did empty our bank accounts and that was an affordable way of living so we were running this venture firm from this community house that we lived in, and I think two years in we finally like booked some desk at a co-working space and obviously. <laughs> You know, six years in now we have a fancy HQ and like you know things are. But but the, the beginnings were really humble and and yeah and then definitely we were not able to hire anyone and and so on. So that's that's the journey. Well, it's a great one. I think one of the things that makes you
0: such an effective um, VC and a funder is that empathy that you have and that you have literally lived and exp- and not just lived but experienced from start to finish all of it, right? From yeah. many different vantage points. So. You can, it gives you, I call it sort of like a dragonfly eye view. You can look at a yeah. problem from so many different levels and you can figure out, literally translate it into language, depending on who that constituent and stakeholder is you're, you're speaking with. Yeah. The other thing that I think is fabulous, and I'm so appreciative of um, you trying to shake this up a bit, is the fact that... You actually look more rather than the classic, stereotypical 18 month hockey stick. Oh, it's not there. Bye bye. Right. You're a loser. Mm -hmm. You look more kind of. We're in this with you side by side, arms held up for for five years. And and we know that.
1: Yeah. 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 However long it takes. (laughs)
0: Did that come about because of your experience? Or just, and also, just frankly, let's face it reality.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think even to build a SaaS company, I I think if you have a founder experience yourself, it doesn't take in eighteen months. I mean, there are exceptions to that, of course, but you know, when you hear of the story of you know of Airbnb, Lyft, and many of the sort of known tech successes and and Google, right? Like they, they, they don't actually happen as fast anyway. And I think for us. It's 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 slightly different when with the types of companies we back, which a lot of them are deep tech, a lot of them are just sort of, you know, founders who know have scientifically validated something and now they're moving on to the engineering problem of of sort of scaling it to unit economics that makes sense and, and building a business of it. But it takes a little bit more patience because you don't see this like month over month MRR, you know, sorry, monthly recurring revenue growth. Mm-hmm. So it, it comes with a little bit more like you need to understand the path for each of those companies. The, the way often they operate is there's like zero to one is takes five years and then, you know, one, to becoming massively impactful and massively profitable, essentially takes, uh, you know, a year or two after that. But like, you need to understand the fundamentals of how those businesses create value, like how those solutions scale. Um, So I think it's, 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 it's harder to understand. And it's harder to differentiate, like, what is a scientific risk? uh, And what is an engineering risk? And how do those companies hire and, and so on. And I think, we didn't know much about it when we started, to be honest. I think for us, it really came from not what we're backing or or when or... Uh or, or any of the other sort of W uh, questions. It was really uh, why, why, are, why do those companies need to exist, and why do those founders sort of committing their lives to doing that? So, and 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 for us, this was a no brainer. We never, you know, this was it wasn't our aspiration to be a VC. And and I think we even <laughs> realized much later than than oh, it's an, it's actually a really interesting and empowering business. But I think initially, this was like how do we become thought partners and capital partners to some of the brightest. Entrepreneurs of our generation who, you know, are not just kind of building a company that will have, you know, exciting crunch based space, but like these are, they're really building a legacy which will be, you know, its own page on Wikipedia of like, how did we finally move away from uh, using petrochemicals? You know, how did we finally, you know, figure out the profitable way of mining carbon from the atmosphere, which is, you know, the biggest untapped resource right now. Like how do we make money from the carbon that's in the atmosphere that we really don't want to be in the atmosphere? And how do we move away from animal agriculture, which is another thing we care deeply about? Like how do we end this atrocity of factory farming that, you know, future generation was will will really be judging us for and, and we believe the time to end it is 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 now, is ASAP. And and you know, we actually in our portfolio have already a few you know, billion-dollar-plus companies. So we've seen how that happens even even for those types of companies, and it's just been really inspiring. Some of those growth paths are, are just, just incredible and extremely inspiring. So when you look back over the last five years, have there been some surprises, or what have the biggest surprises been in your mind? Wow, I'm, like, surprised daily. I think the last six yeah. years, taking a step back in that time, You know, Trump won and then Trump didn't win the re-election. And then we had Black Lives Matter and then we had the pandemic. And then we had the, you know, increasing number of extreme weather events, including crazy fires turning the San Francisco sky red. Like everything along the environment, the sort of the pandemic. So like the the global health uh, event that we've never seen before. Everything that you can imagine showing us that... We cannot ignore some of the problems that are out there, it Show, you know, just, just manifest it in this major way that caused so much suffering already, which is bad. But it also, the flip side is that we saw the power of organizing, we saw the power of technology when you think of like how fast from from sort of identifying COVID-19 we had the sequence for the mRNA vaccines just because of where synthetic biology how it matured over the last 10 years which has been such a godsend when you think of like we're nowhere near to, to solving this pandemic but you know imagine where we would be if if not you know if those vaccines were not available and like the d- development there was so fast. And, and I guess what I'm trying to say that the, just the pace of progress in synthetic biology and in climate tech has been incredible. And I think when we were starting, you know, we were also backing a company called Memphis Meats. One of the companies trying to reinvent the way the meat is made and sort yep. of their, their growing cells directly instead of growing the animal to, to harvest the meat. And people thought we were crazy when we were backing them. It was really just one of those like, like, no way. This is science fiction. Nobody will find this. This is, you know, most people, many people still, when I have conversations with taxi drivers or with, 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 you know, anyone who's willing to listen, really, they're surprised that people have eaten it. And, you know, in Singapore, it's approved for, for human consumption already. And then I believe it will be here in the United States as well in, in the coming. Year or two, so the timeline is has, is is just really exciting for everything in food tech to to Symbio and just the Renaissance in climate tech, which is which is frankly coming late as you know the, the the climate change seems to be accelerating and and I think we need to be working even harder to move those solutions to market fast. But there's been this awakening because I think we've ignored many issues for so long. They just showed us in a very powerful way that there's no more ignoring them, which also shifted the way people think and talk about business which which is you know baby steps towards the direction where we believe we need to be but it's it's been it's been generally inspiring i think i think i think it's a good start so do you think
0: then because i'm always a believer um things happen for me not to me right so for instance your your early failure Obviously, mm-hmm. had some positive implications because it led you yeah. there, right? Right. Yeah. And so, what I'm almost wondering, and it it just hit me, just listening to what you're saying, is I'm wondering if some of the, you know these crises will yeah. be the opportunity for people to recognize the relevance of science in their lives. Yeah. Right? I mean, it yeah. Is, yeah, it is such a it's an operating system, everybody, and we all take it for granted until we can't breathe. Or yeah. you're right, I have, I lived through those red skies, and nothing yeah. is scarier, sadder. Um, watching yeah. ash fall from the sky, and it's not snow, I'm yeah. brushing it off of your black lab's back. You know, those are, those are real things. So, I'm just wondering, do you think that this is an opportunity, then for perhaps there to be this quantum shift in people's minds, and acknowledging, oh my gosh, I need to be a part of the
1: climate solution, I can't just talk about it. Yeah, It goes beyond
0: straws. Yeah. It go, you know what yeah. i mean some real shifts yeah. that have to take place
1: yeah i think people's you know seeing their own well-being affected both by the pandemic and 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 by the climate events is unfortunately part of the way and in, in, in which more people change their minds i mean we do see which is Probably a conversation for another podcast. There is a science denial movement, which which is sort of uh, seems to be existing in its own universe, just because of you know how how information bubbles operate. So I think this is also this big lesson for society that that will exist. But I think I, I don't fully know how to quantify those two properly by percentages. But I think it has definitely strengthened the belief in science and in the need for solutions and in the need for accountability for 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 the people who are you know willing to look at data and make you know sort of rational decisions so there's definitely going to be more funding to future pandemic prevention there's definitely going to be more funding to to synthetic biology i think as like the way we were able to so quickly get the right vaccine and then manufacture that vaccine i think we're much better prepared to future pandemics we in march 16 realized that a bunch of our companies in the synbio space And and in the general biology space, 17 of our companies ended up either completely pivoting to doing something covid related wow. or ended up extending their platforms to be a part of the solution so one of the one of our companies uh helix nano they actually are right now working on a broad mrna vaccine which which is needed as we see that the you know there's, there's so many different variants so that's just incredible to have backed a team who you know who had this amazing platform that can be applied to to this crisis that's in front of us, which was, you know, eye opening even for us that we, you know, we were so close to people who can offer a solution. Another company, Opentrons, they had lab automation and robots. But what, what ended up happening during COVID is they they ended up spinning out their own labs for COVID testing. And now they're COVID testing in New York City and they'll be making more announcements soon. So they essentially got massively accelerated by COVID and also were able to provide a critical yes. piece of the infrastructure that that is that was so needed and still is needed and we, it's going to be needed unfortunately um for a while so the types of companies 50 years back this was an incredible validation of what they're doing and most of them i would say they ended up accelerating vastly yeah. in the last two yeah. years which is the recollection of just the fact that solutions are needed Right, which is
0: fantastic. So yeah. do you th- is there something in your mind that is a reality today that won't be in five years?
1: Five years. Um, I think the notion of business is changing. And like when we started in 2015, we were more of an exception to even sort of question, you know, if you're a smart founder in Silicon Valley, like, you know, why are you working on on some silly app like why aren't you applying your skills and and your network to, to to solving the world's biggest problems i think now people are not just excited about you know how much the company has raised and how many people it has and like how much money it's making but they're, they're starting to ask that question and what is it doing like what are the externalities of your business like are you actually working on something meaningful and if not then whatever right like just as i as i don't care about like how much money you made on your nfts because it's speculation i think yes there's fundamental things that we need that you know maybe need to get built but really the smartest people should be working on the world's biggest problems and i think there's this culture shift that's happening that that we've seen accelerating so that's very exciting because this is exactly one of the impacts that we wanted to have because obviously we're just a tiny tiny organization and we, we cannot have the impact we, we want to and we need to have just through our work. There there needs to be a broadened sort of awakening. And we've seen that happen. So many funds raised on the sort of climate mandate, so many food tech funds, you know, obviously anything that's related to the pandemic has been receiving funding. Um, so I think in five years, I really believe it's going to be more true. And I also think in terms of... Just kind of going back to earth uh, to to do the everyone's daily experience. Most people haven't had a really great, you know, vegan cheese or like a or like a cruelty free, like fully cruelty free meat. I think those things will become parts of our diets, just as you know, beyond meat and impossible has become. And I think yeah. we will see a massive rise of of people who call themselves vegetarians and 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 vegans, but they eat those like fully ethically uh, source products that finally reach the quality of, of their, you know, uh, real animal derived counterparts. So, right. Right. I I think that will be it. That's, that's the future I want to live in. That sounds
0: terrific. Um, I want to be there right beside you. So in your mind, What do you think people should be thinking about? Are there a couple of topics that you think should be at the top of everybody's, okay, when you're on your walk, when you're in your meditation, you know, (laughs) right? When you're stopping and pausing, you know, start thinking about these few things.
1: You know, depending on who's thinking. I think that... Good point. Everybody should be thinking about attention economy. This whole idea that our attention is a platform for someone else. And that, you know, we know a bunch of ways in which our attention is monetized, you know, like by platforms trying to keep us longer on site and, and serving as ads. And and we are, you know, essentially, you know, our actions are in some function, a reaction of what we see, you know, we can have better or worse filtering mechanisms. And, and some, some of us have my stronger willpower, but, but generally speaking, I think people will start realizing like how much protecting your attention is important in in the current media and and social media and technology landscape we're we're in. This is still the future without very advanced brain-computer interfaces, and I think it will only become more true with brain-computer interfaces, which some of that can actually help us with controlling <laughs> where our attention goes. But I think I'm trying to preach it to everyone that like what you think of is a function of, of, of sort of reactively what you see and, and, and your own volition. So I think people will start caring much more about that environmental consciousness with essentially trying to consume less and actually look deeper in where the products we're using are coming from so i think we're just at the cusp of the technologies becoming available to you know actually have clean chemicals actually understand the full life cycle analyses for some of the products we're using so i think with just how bad the climate situation is this is Inevitable that you know we're going to be looking for more and more solutions there, and just care more about where our products come from. And in terms of technologies, I mean, this is an extremely exciting uh, time for you know carbon capture or anything that can replace petrochemicals. You know, we back the company in the space that started as, you know, two guys in a lab a few years ago. And then it's just been incredible to see them grow. The, the company's called Solugen. They make uh, clean chemicals enzymatically. They just recently announced, you know, over $350 million in the recent round of funding, valuing the company at, you know, $1.8 billion. So it's they are really scaling the way we can make chemicals from like plant sugars and enzymes and it's a fantastic use of of high fructose corn syrup as well which i believe should not be used as much as a nutrient for for humans um, because of its high glycemic index and all sorts of you know microbiotic problems that it causes but it's a fantastic way to use this whole supply chain to make clean chemicals so we don't have to use uh, uh, petroleum anymore so i think more companies will be solved where finally, because of where synthetic biology is, because of the sort of bioinformatic tools we build there, because of the read and write capabilities in biology, we'll be able to actually build profitable businesses which can compete with commodity chemicals, you know, on volume and on cost alone, which is only the only way to win it. So I think clean chemicals is an extremely exciting area. So, so is food tech, as I mentioned. Yeah, these are the two top of mind uh, uh, things that I've been thinking a lot about.
0: Awesome. Fantastic. So if you were going to do a rubble yell and a rallying cry for people, a way for people to really take action, roll their sleeves up and do something,
1: what would you urge them to do? That's a really great question. I really believe that we are the generation that is given this chance to actually accelerate not blindly, but actually accelerate in the right direction finally, with like the the level of consciousness that we have around climate issues and issues you know of race and issues of inequity, and I really believe tech entrepreneurship is one of the tools. I'm not saying it's a tool for everything. Clearly, you know, political mm-hmm. organizing and social movements. And there's there's a bunch of things where people should just, you know, find their way of getting into it. Their issue should be solved with those means. But there's this incredible time in, in, in tech entrepreneurship where we've learned so much since the early 2000s. Like, we've learned so much. There's, like, second and third generation of successful founders. Like, we have the tools not just to build software now, but tools to build hard tech there's a lot of knowledge that has been accumulated on like how to be a successful founder how to hire how to you know all those tools that people can use so that their job as a founder is easier and we can finally address the problems that relate to atoms not just bits right and food housing air uh, anything with climate like these are problems of of mostly atoms so we need to be moving you know atoms and these are you know an, an app will not solve those problems. So I believe people should obviously find their own, you know, why and find the, their own what. And I think people are most productive and more successful when really what they're trying to solve deeply resonates with their own experience and with their own story of transformation. And when they find that they should really strongly consider either starting a company or joining a company in the field, because all those companies are hiring and and making yourself useful to really help us accelerate this massive shift that needs to happen before we can really, you know, take a rest and say that, you know, we really use the chance that we had as, as this generation of change. Well, Ella Madej, I have
0: no doubt that you will be the leader behind such great change, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in this financing system. Um, And just thank you so much for supporting. And I would say having the courage to, to just have such resolve in those companies mm. and boy, may I say lucky companies they are to have somebody mm. with your grace, um, with your heart, with your guts, with your brain, um, mm. and your spirit and complete.
1: Oh, we've got this.
0: We've mm. got it.
1: But, right. I go through like cycles of, I think life is a roller coaster. I'm sure. Not just for entrepreneurs and investors, but for everyone, but, I do think this can happen. I don't. I don't see technological reasons why it couldn't. I think when you think of like you know Elon Musk, like the the, the clarity of like we can fly to Mars. We just need to do you know th- those steps need to happen, and they can happen within you know a, f- a few generations for most of the problems. And obviously, there's a different strategy for industrial agriculture and different strategy for climate tech. But I I think it can happen. And there's so much actually goodwill power, and there's so much talent and 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 money trying to get into those areas. Like I feel now is the time to execute because the energy is there, the the talent is there, the the spotlight is there, and the money is there. I I feel like this is the chance to like actually execute on it. So execution is now the big challenge.
0: Exactly. Enough talk, now do. And and I agree with you. It does really feel like all the different parts of the equation are kind of. And we just have to push a little bit and then stick with it and know that it's going to take a while and we may have some false starts, but get back up and continue on. Yeah. 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 Thank you so, so much um, for this conversation, for your time. Mainly thank you for all the work that you're doing and all the support that you're giving. And really, if I had to sum up what you're saying to everybody and urging everybody to do is the call to action would be believe Mm. we've got this believe and then roll your sleeves up and do your part and only you know what that is but whatever you can get to it because the world's counting on it
1: yeah and if you need uh inspiration you know email us or go to jobs.50years.com all the jobs from is 64 of the public, 84 companies we've backed are listed there. Everyone is hiring and, and also it can probably get you inspired about, you know, what else you could be doing if you, if, if not joining them, starting a company. So make sure, make sure you don't miss the opportunity. Absolutely. Whatever's
0: possible. Go dive in there. That's amazing. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much. I look forward to our paths crossing again.
1: Yeah. I, likewise. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: This is Kate Byrne with Catapult X. Thanks for downloading our podcast, Rebels with a Purpose, available wherever you get your podcasts. Look out for our next conversation with Kat Berman, co-founder of C-Note, where we'll be discussing new investment vehicles. If you like what you hear in this series, join us in person at our upcoming FutureFest event. Yep, we're back in Oslo, Norway, May 18th through the 21st, 2022.